0: Good morning. You know, one of the things that occurred to me is how creative people are in this house. Have you noticed? I mean, just the creativity um, to the AV crew. Let's give them a hand. They do a great job up there. Our worship team, thankful for them, Um, those who put all the videos and stuff together. We are a blessed house, aren't we? I, it's just amazing, I, and I love, I love creativity. Uh, I just love to see people's gifts being used in that fashion. Um, you know, there's more to the, the creative life in the body of Christ than just standing up here and speaking and being a pastor or whatever. Uh, there's things that happen around here that, that make pastors look better than we actually are. Amen. I probably should move on from that or it'll be the last time I'll be up here. (coughs) And it seems like typically the only time I'm up here is to take your money. So relax. Jimmy did that for me. We're good. (laughs) We're good. So I had a surprise that hit me about 10 minutes ago as one of my daughters uh, decided to come visit all the way from Oregon. So thank you, Joni. That was a huge blessing. Yeah, she came all the way up. So we have an Oregonian here. So love you. I love to embarrass her. (laughs) Pastor Doug, um, when he asked me several weeks ago if I'd be uh, willing to speak this morning, I asked him, I said, so is there a particular theme that you want me to talk on? And he said, well, he was just finishing up, as you know, on relationships and, and that kind of thing. And so then I felt like the Holy Spirit had laid a message on my heart for this morning and actually had been brewing in my heart for quite a while and, uh, and and so what kind of confirmed what I'm bringing to you this morning is, is I, I felt like um, after January... Do you remember in January when we had the prophetic uh, meetings here and um, we were prayed over? I thought, you know, there was a prophetic word that was spoken over Cheryl and I three years ago, January of 2017, um, up in Federal Way. A f- pastor friend of us ours invited us up there and... Um, And it was specifically, uh, the the prophetic was specifically for that particular house. So we were just there to enjoy it. Uh, And he wasn't supposed to call anybody out except for those of that house. And uh, for some reason, he accidentally pointed us out and brought us forward and spoke over us this word. And what was interesting is about two-thirds of the way through the word when he... Uh, kind of paused, he said to Patrick, he said, so these, these people are part of your house, right? And Patrick just sheepishly said, nah, no, they go to Pastor Doug's church. And he said, I'm going to hit you over the head with my Bible. And I said, well, let's probably not go there. But what was fascinating to me as he began to speak that word based on what I felt like I was to share is he, he, the, the prophetic word to us was that we needed to begin to teach on the things that God had revealed to us on how to overcome battles of life. Any of you ever been in a battle? Twelve of us, okay. <laughs> the rest of you will catch up, I'm sure. And so as I, as I listened to that prophetic word a couple times, just kind of, okay, God, here, here we go, Um, this message came to my heart. And so this morning, what I want to do, first of all, is I want to lay a foundation for what we're going to look at in the book of Ephesians. Um, How many of you have ever read the book of Ephesians? Okay, many of you have. And if you haven't, I would encourage you to do so. It's one of the epistles uh, written by Paul um, to the church at Ephesus. And it was actually a church that he founded. In fact, if you take time to read through the book of Acts in chapter 19, um, that's where he went to Ephesus, and people got saved, and he started a church there. So this letter is to that church that he founded while he was in prison. And uh, in in Ephesians, he's painting an amazing picture, and I'll get into that in just a minute. But for us to really understand the depth of the message this morning, I want to take a look at some scriptures that we find in uh, in the Gospels uh, in in John. So number one in your notes, The Holy Spirit is our helper who lives in us. He is our helper who lives in us. And, you know, I think the concern I have is as um, I've uh, been serving the Lord for a little bit of time here is that people don't understand this truth is that the Holy Spirit lives in us. And, And if you see what Jesus said in verse 16, it says, and I will pray the father And he will give you another helper that he may abide in you forever. Now, abide means to live in, to dwell in. So here's the deal. When you said yes to Jesus, the Holy Spirit took residence in your life. He lives in you. You're not alone. You're not alone. Say to the person beside you, you're not alone. You're really not. You're you're, and I got to thinking about this this morning because of my background is is uh, um, the the acronym of scuba. Some of you just know scuba as you know you're diving in the water, but scuba is actually an acronym for self-contained underwater breathing apparatus. And and so I got to thinking about it. We are a we're an apparatus. We are we, we're we're a house for the Holy Spirit to live in. We're not alone. And in fact, in 1 John 4, 4, it says greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. In other words, you are a thousand times bigger on the inside than you are on the outside. The bottom line is you have everything inside of you you need to overcome in every situation, not because of your knowledge, not because of your ability, not because of your even creativity, but because of the one who lives inside of you and I. And that's the Holy Spirit. How many of you know the Holy Spirit knows what to do? Doesn't he? He knows, he knows what you need when you need it and will give it to you when you ask for it. Right? Amen. The second thing is, is the Holy Spirit will teach us. He will teach us. Look at this scripture. But the helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, he will teach you all things and bring to remembrance all things that I said to you, now, let's camp there for just a second and think about that. How many times you've gone into a situation and all of a sudden the scripture pops up and you are thinking, where'd that come from? Guess what? The Holy Spirit brought that to your attention because it's what you needed for the moment. And we're going to dig into that here in a minute. But we need to understand he, he's the one that will teach us what we need number 3 the holy spirit will guide you into all truth and tell you of things to come and here again is jesus and he says however when he the spirit of truth has come he will guide you into all truth for he will not speak on his own authority but whatever he hears he will speak and he will tell you of things to come that's the holy spirit that is inside of you right now right here available when you say holy spirit i need your help i need you to show me what i need and he will do that so you say to yourself okay so the helper's come <laughs> he lives in me he abides in me he teaches me he reminds me of stuff he guides me now what well it's interesting uh, because the word you see there in, the, uh, in John is the word helper, right? It's the word that Jesus used. He's the helper. And it seems like, okay, he- helper, what all does that entail? It's interesting because the Greek word is actually the word parakletos, and it's more than just helper. It's, now, what you need to understand about the Greek language is the Greek language is, is like a, a picture language. You've heard it said that a a picture is worth a thousand words, right? You've heard that. Well, it's the same with the Greek. Uh, We do the best we can to draw the picture of what the Greek is attempting to say to us, and that is the way it is defined here when he says helper. What does it mean? Well, uh, it means he is the intercessor. He is the one who... um, will console us he is the one that will uh, be our advocate he will be the one that will be our comforter now i don't know about you but there's been times i've needed to be comforted and the holy spirit will come along and give me that word just at the right time and bring comfort in the midst of the storm right right in the midst of whatever i'm going through and i'll say father i I'm lost here. I'm confused. I don't know what to do. And it's almost like all of a sudden the Holy Spirit comes along, gives me that word in due season, and my heart settles down, and I realize, wow, the greater one does dwell inside of me, doesn't he? So you're not alone. So this Greek word has, in the different Bibles that we have in this house today, and even on your phones, there's like 50 of them, uh, the, the word helper is defined in some of those as, He's your, the, the counselor will come or the, the consoler will come. The intercessor will come. I'm, I'm sending him to you to watch over you and to guide you. He's the helper. So the bottom line is you're not alone. When you said yes to him, he moved in. He took up residence. He's in your life right now. Well, I don't feel him. Doesn't matter. Right? Feelings play no part in it. He's there. He's the one who's called alongside to help. He's the one that will will strengthen you and assist you in every situation. He's the other helper, as it says in John 14, 16. Just as Jesus was the great helper while on earth, the Holy Spirit is now our helper if we desire his help. He's there. He's waiting. All we got to do is is ask, right? the, The scripture says you have not because you ask not." right? You need wisdom? Guess what? Ask for it, and he'll give it to you because you need it. I can't even tell you how many times in certain scenarios, certain situations, I've needed wisdom, and I'll I just, you know, bow my head real quick and say, Father, I, I don't know what to do. I need your wisdom, and all of a sudden, it comes out. I mean, it's so, so natural, but it's super. <laughs> I could put it that way. So with that foundation in mind, I want to take a minute, just a brief minute here, and I want to kind of Do an overview of the book of Ephesians because the book of Ephesians is absolutely a rich, rich book. Um, And it's broken up into two parts. And in your notes, if you'll notice, the story of the gospel is chapters one through three. It's the story of the gospel. It's the retelling. Paul goes through, and he begins to tell the gospel story. He, t- he tells of the significance of the Lord Jesus Christ and what he did. It's, uh, he tells us that it's in Christ that you and I are complete. And in essence, that scripture there, when it says we're complete, it means we're completely completed in him. In him, we're complete. Now, I don't always feel like it, but guess what? Because of him, I am now, when, now, how many of you are in the freedom class? Some of you are taking, yeah, great, great course. And it, it talks about uh, the distinction between eating from the tree of life as opposed to eating from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. And I know that every time I flip over to knowledge of all that, and I, I think, well, I don't know enough. I, I don't I don't understand enough. And, and then I get all discouraged and depressed and downtrodden and all that goes with that. But then as soon as I flip over and begin to eat from the tree of life, all of a sudden I realize in him I'm complete. In him I have the fullness of God in my life. In him I have the wisdom I need. In him I have the direction I need. In him I have the comfort that I need. In fact, when you read through the first three chapters of Ephesians, there's a lot of in him, by whom, through whom. And it's because of Jesus, not because of me. It's because of Jesus, right? So this is all uh, in, in this first three chapters is for by grace you've been saved through faith. It's not of yourselves. It's the gift of God, not of works, lest anyone should boast. It's all the work of God in your life. It's complete in you. The experience of the resurrection power uh, is, is talked about in those first three chapters. The believer being strengthened by God's spirit to grasp and comprehend the love of that Christ has for his people. And that song that we sang earlier where it talked about the breadth and the length and the depth and the height of God's love. We haven't even scratched the surface to how much God really loves us. And I find that, again, when I, when I eat from the tree of knowledge I find myself behind the eight ball every single time. I find myself trying to do everything I can to somehow get God to love me more, to get God to be pleased with me. And you know what I find? He can't love me any more than he already does. Why is that? Well, the scripture is very clear. It says that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for the ungodly. We love him because he first loved us, his love is intense. And I don't have to run around and try and get him to be pleased with me because he loves me already. And some of you need to hear that. Yeah. You are loved. Well, I messed up. You are loved and he forgave you. Well, I blew it. He loves you. You know what? I say this to my daughters here. Whenever my daughter blew it, did my love change? How many have parents here? Do you, you love your kids, Right? When they blow it, do you love them? Now think about God's love. We are His creation, and He loves us. Persnickety as we are, He loves us intensely. I better move on. The second part of this uh, is chapters four through six, how the gospel story should affect how we live out our lives. In other words, the first part was the gospel story and who you are and what he's done and everything significant that has ever happened that was necessary. And these last three chapters tell us now that the gospel story has been released in your life, here's how to live it out. Here's how, remember, Pastor Doug's been talking about relationships and how to walk in relationships. These chapters tell us how to do that, and we can't do it on our own. We need the power of the Holy Spirit to do so. These three chapters, 4, 5, and 6, challenge us to live out the gospel story, recognizing the fact that there is, there is one body, there's one spirit, there's one hope, there's one faith, there's one baptism, there is one God. How we relate to one another, husbands to wives— Uh, uh, parents to children children to parents employee employers that it's all the relationship stuff because of what jesus has done in your life here's how you can now live out this this life that you're in because you're all in this together aren't we we're in it together there's so much here about uh, signs of the spirit where we're singing and making melody in our hearts to the lord um, talks about the Christian marriage, which is in essence a picture of the church, and uses marriage to display that uh, overcoming the enemy of our, our enemy of enemy of our soul. Now, here's why I wanted to to reiterate that is because as we get into chapter six, it's almost as though Paul grinds his gears into a completely different topic. He spent th- three and a half chapters, four, five, and half a six, to talk to us about relationships and all this kind of stuff, and then all of a sudden he goes into outer orbit and starts talking about spiritual dynamics. Guess what? It's not because he ran out of things to say. (laughs) I'll just throw this in there. This is literally icing on the cake. He says, because of what Jesus did in your lives in chapters 1 through 3, and because of the relationships that you're going to come across, he says, here's how you're going to overcome and it goes into this, this dialogue here. It's, it's amazing. So let's read it through. In chapter 6, verse 10 to 19, it says, Finally, be strong in the Lord and in the mi- his mighty power. Put on the full armor of God so that you can take your stand against the devil's schemes. For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the ruler's against the authorities, against the powers of the dark world, and against the spiritual forces of evil in heavenly realms. Therefore, because of what I just told you, anytime you see a therefore, you ask, what's it there for? He says, put on the full armor of God. Now, I want you to notice in verse 11 and verse 13, it says, put on. Now, in the New King James, one place it says, put on. The other place, in the second verse, it says, take up. The idea is the same that we put on the full armor of God. Now, when you see something twice in Scripture, typically it's a good idea to pay attention. (laughs) How many of you want to overcome? Okay, most of us. Good. I'll do my best. It says, therefore, put on the full armor of God so that when the day of evil comes... Now, let me stop there for a quick second, and, and let me just tell you this. There's been a mindset that the evil day is in the apocalypse somewhere. In, in the future tense, like 100 years from now, and I don't need to worry about it. How many of you have ever had an evil day in your life? <laughs> Imagine that. We all have, pretty much. There's been a day you got up and wondered, Jesus, are you still there? <laughs> right? Right? Notice what it says here in the evil day. In the evil day, when that day comes, you may wake up tomorrow morning and feel like you got run over by a truck. Recognize you have what you need to overcome what you're going through in that moment. So it says, you may be able to stand your ground, and after you have done everything, to stand, stand firm. Then with the belt of truth buckled around your waist and with the breastplate of righteousness in place and with your feet fitted with the readiness that comes from the gospel of peace, in addition to all this, take up the shield of faith with which you can extinguish, watch this, all the flaming arrows of the evil one, take the helmet Of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God, and pray in the Spirit in all occasions with all kinds of prayers and requests. With this in mind, be alert and always keep on praying for all the saints. Now, let's dig into this. The armor of God covers everything from the top of your head to the very sole of your feet. Everything. If you look at, as we're going to look at this intensely, it covers everything. There's no part of you, well, except for your back, but you're not going to run from the enemy, right? He will run from you. In fact, the scripture says it pretty clearly, that when you stand in faith with the word of God, with the it is written mentality, the enemy runs as in sheer terror. Uh Uh-oh, they're up. (laughs) Yeah. Now, let's look at it. The full armor of God is what protects you. It covers what you think to how you walk it out. That's what the armor of God does. Look at the scripture. Finally, be strong in the Lord and his mighty power, not in your own. Put on the full armor of God so that you can take your stand against the schemes of the enemy and the things that the enemy brings against you. You're going to stand because you have the full armor of God. Right? That's what the word says. It's right there. Now, remember, as I said earlier, the helper lives inside of you. So you're not in this battle by yourself, are you? You're, you're not, you, you? You know, when you said yes to Jesus, he didn't just, you know, wind you up on like a top and spin you off into wherever and just say, have fun. We'll see you when you get back, if you get back. <laughs> That's not the God that we serve. He says, okay, now that you said yes, here, Let me put a deposit in your life. It's called a down payment, an earnest of the deposit. He put the Holy Spirit inside of you so that you could be a victor and an overcomer in every situation. No matter what you're going through, the Holy Spirit is there to show you what you need. Amen. It's so true. The second thing is the full armor of God helps you identify the true enemy. Let's look at the scripture for our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world, and against the spiritual forces of evil in he- heavenly realms. And it was kind of a revelation to me when I recognized that my wife is not my enemy. She loves me. <laughs> Thank you. Coffee card for you. <laughs> yeah, you better pray for her. She's got me. <laughs> but it's true. Listen, your boss is not your enemy, right? Now, we could fill in the blank the whatever is not your enemy. We need to recognize the true enemy. Now, the enemy may, may be somehow working through that particular person, so we pray for the person, right? The government is not our enemy. I'm walking very cautiously right now could feel the ice cracking under my feet. (laughs) Think about it. We pray for them, right? Because of the 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 there's to a degree some inspiration behind them and it's not of God and so we pray for them and believe God for them. You may have a persnickety neighbor they're not your enemy. They may act like it, but they're not. And so you pray for, this, pray for them about the spirit behind them, motivating them to do what they do, and then you're going to find out God's going to tear that thing down, give you an open opportunity to minister to them and watch the change in their lives because they gave up on the schemes of the enemy and said yes to Jesus. Amen? Hey, here's the deal. Before you said yes, you were persnickety. That's another Greek term. Look it up. All right, number three, the full armor of God is what equips you to resist and stand your ground. That's what the armor does. Therefore, put on the full armor of God so that when the day of evil comes, you may be able to stand your ground and after you have done everything to stand. Now, there's two Greek words in this this passage of Scripture that I want to bring to your attention. We don't see it in the English so much, but but in the Greek, as I said, the Greek is a very picturesque language. There's two terms, and the one term for the word uh, you may be able to stand your ground is a word that, when I say it, some of you are going to go, that sounds familiar. And it's the word antihistome. Antihistome. Antihistamine. How many of you have hay fever and you use an antihistamine? Well, guess what? You have an antihistamine. (laughs) Sounds like I switched gears here. In your life that blocks what the enemy tries to bring against you. It literally does. It blocks it. It gives you the ability to oppose, to withstand, to resist because of the Holy Spirit in you is an antihistamine. Right? So when the enemy comes, yo, 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 stop it. You don't have right access to my life because of who I belong to and who lives in me. Now, he will access your life as much as you let the enemy access your life. But if you know who you are in Jesus, guess what? He has no right, no access, unless you let him. Now, here's the second word, and this is one of my favorite terms. Those who have known me long enough have heard me say this and sends chills up my spine when I say this word because it's so pregnant with truth. Are you ready for this? I'm going to feel shimmer. Are you ready? Katergazomai. Woo-hoo! <laughs> See, it totally gets a reaction every time. And this word is, is fascinating because in the, in the uh, uh, English, we were able to bring it out, but it misses its, its full emphasis. It's in the New King James, it's having done all. In the NIV, it says have done everything, and, and the picture is not you trying to somehow endure your way through to victory. That is not the picture here at all, at all. Although it seems like it would be, well, I've got to gut my way through until I get the victory, and bless God, I'm going to do it. That's not the picture here. This katergazomai, the picture is uh, to work out, not as in lift weights. (laughs) It means... Catch this now. Because of the full armor of God, because of who lives inside of you, it's that which is on the inside coming out to meet that which was coming against you. Now watch this. There's a picture uh, of Jesus in Luke chapter 4 just after he got baptized and was filled with the Spirit. And he was driven into the desert for 40 days and 40 nights, right? I mean, he was out there. And what's it say? He was tempted of the devil, right? Now, the picture is this. We have three things that come up. One was the, the bread. The other is the position. And the other is the other thing that I have here, protection. And he, he's hungry. And the enemy comes along and says, you know, if, if you are the son of God, just, hey, talk to that stone and turn it into bread. You know, make it like garlic bread. That'd be great. Just turn it into bread. And Jesus said, no, no, no. Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds from God, right? See, that's a picture of what I'm talking about. He says, it is written. The second thing, he says, he takes him and he shows him all the, the, the world. I mean, shows him everything, all the kingdom. He says, you know what? This, is, this can be yours. All you've got to do is bow down and worship me. <laughs> Thou shalt not tempt. He said, it is written, you shall not tempt the Lord your God. Right? Now, this last one is even more fascinating because then the enemy takes Jesus, takes him up to the top of the pinnacle, and he quotes a scripture to him. And he says, you know, it's said that uh, if you dashed your foot against a stone I, the angels will pick you up so you don't get harmed. And so what does the enemy say to him? Hey, just throw yourself down from here. Now, I don't get it, but there's nowhere in there does it say jump 50 stories, and the angels are going to pick you up. If you go to the top of the building and throw yourself off, it's going to be well and good for the few, first few seconds until the sudden stop at the bottom. He did <laughs> That scripture does not tell you to commit suicide. That scripture simply says that if you're walking and you trip, God will bear you up. Don't throw yourself off a building. I'd just throw that in there. That's free. Glad I could help you out. Another scripture um, is found in 1 Corinthians uh, chapter 10, verse 13. And we'll pop it up there. It says, no temptation has taken you but such as is common to man. But God is faithful who will not allow you to be tempted beyond what you are able, but with the temptation will also make the way of escape that you may be able to bear it. There's another picture. In other words, well, are there at least three of us that have been tempted in our lives? Yeah, we've been tempted, right? And I can guarantee you, since you said yes to Jesus... That the Holy Spirit dwells in your life, right? He's in your life. And when you get tempted because the enemy wants to neutralize your life, the Holy Spirit rises up within you. Here it is. Rises up within you with what you need in that season for that moment to overcome in that situation. Now, we have a choice. Free will. Go huh, Go figure. We have this free will, and we hear what the Holy Spirit is saying. But you know how temptation is. It's so tempting. He tempts us in areas that, well, it's fun. Deadly, but fun. So we have a choice to either do what the Holy Spirit says because he always, according to this scripture anyway, right, provides a way to escape. Always. Now, I can say that the times that I have used that escape route, I went, man that was good and the times when I didn't oh father forgive me son I love you what did you learn (laughs) right what did you learn I learned to pay attention (laughs) in that situation are you getting the picture here So the Holy Spirit in every situation is inside of you to direct you in what you need at that moment. He rises up. That's what this katergazima is all about. That which is on the inside rising up within you to meet what is coming at you. That's what it's all about. So let's move on. Uh, Number four, the full armor of God wraps you in truth. So it says, stand firm then with the belt of truth buckled around your waist with the breastplate of righteousness in place. That truth. Now, Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life, right? That's what scripture says. And so we, we take in truth, not for the sake of knowledge, but for the sake of the life that that truth brings us so that we can be more effective That when issues arise in our lives, we have what we need to overcome, right? For example, I'll just throw this out there. In Philippians chapter 4, some of my favorite verses, but verse 8, tells us what to think on, right? It says, you know, whatsoever things are lovely and just and honest, a good report, virtue, praise, think on these things. And here's what happens when you're in a really bad situation you start thinking, wait a minute. God, you, you've done some amazing things in my life. You, you blessed me in this situation, and, and you encouraged me in this situation, and you brought me through that. Oh, you brought me through that. All of a sudden, you begin to get that, that building up on the inside and realize, wow, uh, I'm going to think on those things rather than the trash from the past. And you know the enemy is good at throwing your trash back on your face, and you just throw it right back and say, no, 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 no. This is a no-dump zone, right? It's a no-dump zone. Number five, the full armor of God spreads peace where you walk. And with your feet fitted or shod with the readiness that comes from the gospel of peace. Jesus said, or the word says of Jesus that he is what? The prince of peace. Guess who dwells inside of you? So you have peace dwelling inside of you. Everywhere you go, you have the ability to spread peace. Sometimes, I can't speak for you, but for me, I just need to get out of my own way. I need to get out of my own stinking thinking and allow the Holy Spirit to work through me so that peace can rest in a situation. Have you ever been in a situation and you started talking to somebody and your, your, your conversation kind of went south and you feel your spirit just sink inside of you? Back out of that situation and start speaking words of edification. Amen. Number six, I'm moving right along. The full armor of God by faith is a wrap around shield, extinguishing the attacks of the enemy. Extinguishing the attacks of the enemy. Here's the scripture. In addition to this, take up the shield of faith with which you can extinguish all the flaming arrows of the evil. Not just some of them, but all of them. When the enemy attacks, and he's a thought projector, isn't he? Our pastor talks about it a lot, about a thought projector. He'll, he'll, he'll just give you just that little thought to see what you're going to do with it. And when you recognize you're being violated by that thought, you cast it down, the scripture says, casting down imaginations and every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God and bring into captivity every thought to the obedience of Christ. So, much like Philippians 4.8 says, that I think on these things, you change what you're thinking. It's not, well, I mean, it's, it, it should be easy. <laughs> but how many of you know when you start to have stinking thinking, sometimes it's hard to shift gears and get out of it? But it is, is available. Now, What's interesting is when we talk about faith, uh, in Romans 10, 17, it says, so then faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God, right? What's interesting in the Greek here, I want you to notice that when they translated this, it did not say that faith comes by having heard. Oh, yeah, you and know, I heard the word when I got saved, and that's all I need, bless God. I just don't need any more faith. I got all I need right here. No, the actual Greek uh, is a continuous tense, meaning faith comes by hearing and hearing and hearing and hearing and hearing hearing by the word of God Right? comes by hearing. Now, so how do I build up faith? Well, in Jude 20, it says you uh, but you, beloved, building yourselves up on your most holy faith, praying in the Holy Spirit. So I find that I get in the word and I pray. And my faith gets built up. There's times when I'm on my way to work and I know I have a rugged day ahead of me. I'll just begin to pray. And I'll just begin to ponder the scriptures and allow God to just work in my heart. So by the time I get to work, I have an understanding of the wisdom that I need to overcome in that particular situation. I may have a really tough meeting that I've got to lead in in some weird scenarios. And yet God gives me wisdom to work through that. And you know what? When I get in my car at the end of the day, I go, wow, God, you did come through. Right? Right? He came through. Number seven, the full armor of God protects our thoughts and is a razor-sharp spirit sword. What's the helmet cover? Your brain pan. (laughs) Where does the enemy attack you? In your thoughts, doesn't he? This helmet of salvation, in fact, in Revelation, doesn't it say that we overcome the enemy by the blood of the Lamb and the word of our testimony? Right, So when the enemy comes along and starts throwing stuff at me, they go, wait a minute, I, I'm saved. God set me free. I'm forgiven. I don't need to go back there. Right? right? I'm set free. Now, uh, one thing I want to throw out here to you is this idea of the sword. Now, remember I said that this whole thing is a picture that Paul is drawing, and it's primarily out of Isaiah when it talks about, the uh, the armor and it's the breastplate of righteousness and all that but it's also because remember paul's in a roman prison when he's writing this book and so he's looking at the guard and he's thinking huh it's got a helmet well let's see that protects the thought you know your brain pan That's where thoughts come. So there's the helmet of salvation. And so he began to, so to speak, dress up that that guard with the different parts and then put a spiritual emphasis on it so you and I can understand how we can overcome. Now, the sword is no different here. This sword is fascinating. The word that he uses for sword is specific to the type of sword that the Roman soldiers would use. Now, the Roman soldier had had this sword. It was called a machera. And what's fascinating about this sword, it does not look too threatening because compared to all the swords of the enemy, this sword looked insignificant. It was only 18 inches long, had extremely razor sharp two edges, and a very sharp point. Now typically, when the enemy would come at them because of the swords that they had, their swords were bigger. They were longer and it took more to wield that sword. Now they could take off more than one head at once. Yum, yum. But it also threw them off balance when they swung it. It threw them off balance and next thing they know, they have this 18-inch machera in their ribcage and they're a goner. And so the enemy falls. That machera, that sword that you and I wield is a Two-edged sword with a very sharp point, and believe you me, the enemy is scared spitless of that sword that you wield. When you know what that sword is capable of doing, all you have to do is say, it is written. Amen? It is written. It is written. Let's move on. Last point. The full armor of God leads us to passionate prayer. Now, I don't know about you, um, but for me, prayer is very, very, very significant in my life because of the relationship that I have with my father and he loves me so much. I have prayer journals and I'm thankful that my wife has promised never to publish them. But they're very similar to Psalms where David is, you know, speaking this amazing word. He's on top of the mountain and He gets to the next sentence, and you go, David, what happened? Did you jump off the pinnacle? (laughs) Because you're in Death Valley right now. And the neat thing about when you pray, God knows where your heart is, right? It says, and pray in the Spirit on all occasions with all kinds of prayer requests and requests. With this in mind, be alert and always keep on praying for all the saints. Now, because you said yes to God, and how many of us in this room did say yes to God the helper lives inside of us to empower us to overcome in every single situation some of you have stuff you're facing this week and you're really wondering how you're going to do it well guess what you're going to make it through he's going to see you through it and you're going to come to the end of the week and go wow god you you did what you promised he's going to give you wisdom You're covered by the full armor of God. You're equipped to hear the direction of the Holy Spirit because you are an overcomer. Now, I want you to hear this. When you said yes, the Holy Spirit came to dwell in you. He's in you right now when you said yes. You have everything you need inside of you to overcome in every situation, right? Some of you just need to hear that. For those of you who haven't said yes yet, guess what? Today's your day. I believe that with all my heart. You're not here by accident. Well, such and such invited me. Yep, it's your day. It's your day. Those of you who are facing stuff this week, today's your day to hear the Holy Spirit say to you, here's how you're going to overcome that. Some of you are going through financial stuff. Some of you are going through relational stuff. Some of you are going through just any number of things that God's going to see you through this week. So let's bow before the Lord. Father, as we come to this time of the service, I know that your spirit is working intensely in the hearts of people this morning. And so, Holy Spirit, I'm believing you're touching hearts to finally say yes to you. Now, you're here this morning, and maybe you've been coming for a while, and um, and yet, you've really never come to that place where you've said yes. Or you're here this morning and you said yes, and you walked away. You got sidetracked by life's events, and yet you decided I'm gonna, I'm, I'm gonna give this another shot. And you're here this morning. You say, you know, I just, I just want to make things right between me and God. And that is you. I just want you to lift your hand up all over the house. Is there anyone here this morning? Okay. Anyone else? Anyone else? Just a few more seconds here. God's dealing with your heart, and you you know you just want to make it right. Is there anyone else in the house today? All right. Well, thank you, Jesus. We have hands in the house. So look, we're going to pray this prayer together. And uh, let's pray it. Father, in the name of Jesus, I come to you this morning, and I say yes to you into my life. Fill me with your spirit. Forgive me of all my sin and write my name in your book. Today I choose you. I am a new creation. Thank you, Lord Jesus, for setting me free and filling me with your spirit. In Jesus' name, amen. Now let's rejoice. Let's stand together. And I'm going to ask for our prayer team to come forward. And maybe something in this message this morning touched your hearts. I appreciate your patience this morning. Um, There's something that you really feel that that, uh, you want victory in. And we have a prayer team up here that will pray for you and pray with you and believe God. And uh, the worship team is going to lead in some worship here. And so if you'd like prayer, just come on forward.